Well, today we're in this series called Experiencing God. Experiencing God. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Peter Scazzaro is a pastor of a large church in New York City. He tells you a story of how he, his church was growing like crazy. It was a successful church, just growing. People were coming to Christ. His church is making an impact in the city. People are inviting him to speak at conferences all around the country. So here he was, a successful pastor of a large growing church. He's highly skilled, highly confident. He knows the Bible. And yet he himself admits he was an emotional wreck. He could preach on love and kindness on Sunday and then argue with his wife and children all week long. He was unhappy. He was angry. He was manipulative. Things got so bad that finally his wife said, I quit your church. I'm going to go to another church across town somewhere. Now, that's pretty bad, wouldn't you say? When, when you're the pastor and your own wife says, I quit your church. That, that, that's pretty bad. Peter Scazzaro writes, Externally, I had appeared kind, gracious, and patient, when inwardly, I was nothing like that. I so wanted to present a polished image as a good Christian that I cut myself off from what was going on within myself. Unconsciously, I had been thinking, I hope I'm a good enough Christian. Will this person like me? Will they think I'm okay? Pretending was safer than honesty and vulnerability. The reality was that my discipleship and spirituality had not touched a number of deep internal wounds and sin patterns, especially those ugly ones that emerged behind the closed doors of our home during trials, disagreements, conflicts, and setbacks. I was stuck in an immature level of spiritual and emotional development. My way of living the Christian life was not transforming the deep places of my life. How about you? I, I want to talk to you today about emotional health. Are, are you cut off from what's going on inside of you? Are you pretending one thing on the outside, but experiencing something completely different on the inside? Our title today is Freedom to Feel Again. Freedom to Feel Again. I want us to talk about our emotional health and how our emotions should be affected by our discipleship. We say we're a Christian. We say we follow Jesus. We're a disciple of Christ. But how is that shaping? How is that impacting our emotions? So turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're in this series where we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, especially listed in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But we're looking at the whole context. And I want to read today from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Because we're in this series, and for nine Sundays in a row, this is Sunday three already, we had an introduction uh, to the whole series, so it's going to be nine sermons in a row on the same passage of Scripture. 
And we're going to be looking at it from all kinds of angles. But because we're looking at this, the same passage, nine Sundays in a row, I thought I would freshen it up a bit by reading from different translations. Because sometimes you, you think, well, I already know this passage. Yeah, but you just know it in a certain way. And so it's good to read it in other translations, and it might hit you uh, from a different angle. So today I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. And it's a little more uh, literal and straightforward translation. Verse 13, Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom... We're talking about freedom today, freedom to feel again. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, so you'll notice in this passage that the Apostle Paul is talking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And as Christians, we have within us the Holy Spirit. We've been given of, of the Spirit of God in our lives, but we still also have the flesh. And, and notice the English Standard Version says, translates it literally, flesh. But some of the other translations say sinful nature. And really what, what Paul's talking about here is, is that sinful nature within us. And, and he uses the word flesh not just in the literal sense of, you know, your flesh and, and bones and blood and, and all of that. But he's talking about, it's interesting how he uses the term flesh because it's more than just physical. He even talks about having a fleshly mind. Now you go, wow, how's that fleshly mind? He's talking about that sinful nature within us that bent towards selfishness and ego where I'm willing to do anything to get my way. And most of the time it expresses itself through the flesh, through the body. And he says, so on the one hand, you, you have all of these drives and desires and ambitions, the, this sinful nature within you that, that propels you and pushes you to do bad things. But you also have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to bear his fruit in your life. And so you have this spiritual battle going on. 
And so you have these desires and drives and ambitions, but, but you also have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and look at this. What, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, as you, as you look at all nine of these fruits of the Spirit, they, they are virtues. They are character traits. But what I want you to see here right now is there's a strong emotional component to the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, if you have an outline, and we'll put it up on the screen, this, this is a, a key theme I want to spend some time on this morning. Number one, spiritual health includes emotional health. Look at the fruit of the Spirit again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's a strong emotional component to these, right? I guess it's theoretically possible to treat someone lovingly even though on the inside you hate them. I guess it's theoretically possible to act patiently and kindly with someone even though on the inside you are angry and you are so upset. But I think you will agree with me that what Paul is, is saying here is that the Holy Spirit can change you so that you feel loving. You're not just pretending to be happy. You really are. You're, you're, you're not just acting like you're kind, but you, you really feel kind and gentle and loving. See, the more spiritual you become, that is, the more you are led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, the more healthy emotionally you will be. Spiritual health includes emotional health. Peter Scazzaro said, it never entered my mind that God might be speaking to me in the feeling realm in a way that did not compromise his truth. How could I listen to my desires, dreams, likes, and dislikes? Wouldn't they potentially take me the way of rebellion away from God? So I ignored my feelings. Most Christians do not think they have permission to consider their feelings, to name them or express them openly. This applies especially to the more difficult feelings of fear, sadness, and anger. It was anger and depression, however, that finally got me to stop and admit something was desperately wrong. How about you? Is something desperately wrong? inside you? How in touch are you with your feelings? So maybe you've been a Christian for decades, but honestly, you don't experience much joy. The truth is, if you really look within and get honest, most of the time you're feeling discouraged, depressed, upset. You even go to Bible studies and you even learn how to pronounce a few Hebrew and, and Greek words. And you know so much of the Bible history but you're still negative and critical. Not much kindness and gentleness and peace going on in here. And sometimes you justify it. Well, you know, I just have the gift of discernment. You know, I just have to tell it the way it is. Or maybe you've, you've served people. You've served in the church for years, and yet you're driven by a deep personal need for attention. And you have a nagging sense of failure. 
And if you really got honest with yourself, the reason you do so much serving is because you're wanting applause. You're wanting attention. Peter Scazzaros says, when we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Sad to say, that is the fruit of much of our discipleship in our churches. I want you to see right now that spiritual health includes emotional health. If you really are experiencing God and walking in the Spirit and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, that includes your feelings. God cares about your emotions. For example, today we're talking about joy. There's nine fruit of the Spirit, love, and the second one is joy. Let's talk about joy. Did you know, and this is number two on your outline, did you know that God is the happiest person in the universe? I remember when I first read this, it was John Piper's book, Desiring God, and he says, God is the happiest person in the universe. And I thought, what? It, it kind of just hit me sideways. And then as I reflected and as I studied Scripture on it, I have to agree with him. God is supremely happy. He says, can you imagine what it would be like if the God who ruled the universe were not happy? Well, what if God was given to just being a grumpy, pouting God, given to depression? Well, what if God was just frustrated and, and gloomy? What, what, what would that be like? How, how could we actually serve and worship a God like that? How could we join David in the Old Testament in Psalm 63 where he says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Could we really long for a God like that and want to be with a God like that and worship and praise a God like that? I don't think so. We would relate to God like little children whose father is always grumpy and grouchy. And we're kind of like just walking on eggshells. And we just try to stay out of his way. Or maybe we try to do some, some good deeds trying to earn his favor. What I want you to see here is that God is the happiest person in the universe. And God is an emotional God. He has emotions. He feels. He is a person. And since you and I are created in the image of God, that means that we too feel and we have emotions. To be created in the image of God. God thinks, so we think. God wills, so we will. God feels, so we feel. It's part of being created in the image of God. Just listen to some of these scriptures that speak of the emotions of God. God saw that it was good, Genesis 1. God saw that it was very good. He saw that it was good. It was very good. Imagine God creating everything. And then he looked, steps back and looks at everything and goes, wow, that is good. That is very good. Can't you just sense the delight and the satisfaction there? And then a few chapters over in Genesis 6, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. Jeremiah 30, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with kindness. You read through the scriptures, God has emotions. God feels. 
Scripture talks about even grieving the Holy Spirit. We can make the Holy Spirit sad. And then, of course, you look at Jesus. Look at all the emotions that Jesus expressed as you read through the Gospels. Matthew 26, right before he went to the cross, he's in the garden, and he says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In Mark 3, it says, he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he healed him. Luke chapter 10, at that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Think about this. You are made in the image of God. God is an emotional God. And so for you and I to be created in the image of God means that we are created with emotions, with feelings. So what, what, it, what we're learning here is don't ignore your emotions. Could it be that God is actually speaking to you through those emotions? So why are you angry? Why are you sad? Why are you depressed? Don't deny those emotions. Don't suppress them. Don't ignore them. As a disciple of Jesus, you need to open up. You're free to feel whatever it is you're feeling. And and you submit your emotional life to God and to the Holy Spirit. And and you, you want your emotional life to be healthy and whole, and sorted out properly, and expressed in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. This is the way to joy. This is the way to to feel again, rather than going through life numb, and suppressing, and denying, and pretending. The Apostle Paul, in 1 Timothy 1.11, he calls God the blessed God. He speaks of the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. That word blessed, where it says he is the blessed God, it's makarios. And it's the same word over in Matthew 5 where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, 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 blessed. And one of my commentaries says the term itself means blessed or happy. And therefore here designates God as containing all happiness in himself and bestowing it on men. Wow. God contains all happiness in himself. God is joy. And he wants to bestow joy on you and me. I love how John Piper puts this. He has a book, Desiring God, where he talks a lot about joy. And how God is the happiest person in the universe. And we need to pursue happiness. And he uses this controversial term called uh, hedonism. And he says, you and I, in fact, this is point number three on your outline. We should be Christian hedonists. As Christian hedonists, we should pursue happiness in Christ. You know what hedonism means, don't you? Hedonism is the idea, that philosophy, that life is all about pleasure. Your goal in life is to be as happy as you can possibly be. You want to enjoy life. You want to maximize your pleasure and minimize your pain. It's a philosophy, a way of life. Many years ago, my family took a vacation to Negril, Jamaica, and we happened to be right next door to a resort called Hedonism. 
And it was a very interesting place because here we are, Sandy and I and our two kids, and they were like young teenagers at the time. And right next door, this hedonism, all the people in this resort were running around with no clothes on. Yes, it was one of those kind of resorts, hedonism. And, and, and people were running around naked. Up and down the beaches and and whatever else you want, riding the boats and doing all the things they do with no clothes on. Very interesting vacation, trying to keep the kids' eyes over here. You know, don't look that way, kids. And 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 so that's the world's idea of hedonism, where I'm going to do whatever I want to do because it's all about me being happy, and so I'm just going to follow my desires and my drives. And, and whatever that takes, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to be happy. Well, John Piper takes that philosophy, that mentality, and he says, you know what? You and I should be Christian hedonists. We should pursue whatever it takes to be happy. But here, here's, here's the key, though. He says this philosophy of, of, of Christian hedonism is built on five convictions, and this comes right out of his book. Number one, the longing to be happy is a universal human experience, and it is good, not sinful. I think you and I get mixed up on this a lot. The longing to be happy is a universal human experience, and it is good, not sinful. See, you can try to deny it, but when you really get into this, God designed you and I to be happy, to be full of joy, and to be whole, and to be satisfied. And this longing that we have to be happy is not a sinful desire. It is a spiritual, God-given thing. Number two, we should never try to deny or resist our longing to be happy, as though it were a bad impulse. Instead, we should seek to intensify this longing and nourish it with what will ever provide the deepest and most enduring satisfaction. And number three, he says the deepest and most enduring happiness, and this is the key one now, is found only in God. Not from God, but in God. See, real happiness, true joy, is found not in following your sinful nature, but in following the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That's where their joy is. That's where the true happiness is. God is the happiest person in the universe. He is the fountain of all joy. So if you, you need to pursue joy relentlessly in God. Number four, the happiness we find in God reaches its consummation when it is shared with others in the manifold ways of love. Didn't Jesus say the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pursue that. Make that your life's ambition. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And then number five, to the extent that we try to abandon the pursuit of our own pleasure, we fail to honor God and love people. You see? See, the problem is, is not that we're, we're not trying, that we're trying to be happy. The problem is we're not trying hard enough. We're settling for all these substitutes. C.S. Lewis said, said our, our problem is that, that we settle 
for lesser happiness, kinds of happiness, when the real happiness is found in God. He says we're like little children playing in a mud puddle, making our mud pies, and being happy with that when the beach is just a few hundred yards away. We need to be Christian hedonists and not settle for the mud pies. We need to say, I want the beach. I want to get all the way there. I want to experience God. I, I want to be emotionally healthy and whole. I, I, I want Christ. I want to walk in the Spirit. And I will not settle for anything less. You see, the problem is not our desire to be happy is wrong. No, no. It's a good desire. The problem is we don't want it badly enough. We settle for the lesser substitutes. And we, we try to get happy in all the wrong ways. Life is about loving God. That's the first fruit of the Spirit. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And finding your joy in Him. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's a commandment to live a life of joy. So here's what I'm saying today. Spiritual health includes emotional health. And as you follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus means not only that you grow in knowledge in your mind, but you also grow in joy in your heart. Be free to feel again. And here's what I'm asking you to do this week. I'm asking you to be a Christian hedonist. Become a Christian hedonist. Say, I am going all out. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be happy in the Lord. I'm not going to settle for these lesser substitutes. I'm not going to give in to the desires of the sinful nature. I'm going all out in Christ. I want to experience the fruit of the Spirit. Become a Christian hedonist. And, and let me suggest four ways for you to do this. Number one, here, here's some things. I, I, here's some homework. I want you to apply this this week. Number one, get quiet and pay attention to your emotions. Get quiet and pay attention to your emotions. Most of us go to our graves without really ever knowing who we are. Because we are so busy... We are skimming the surface of the life, of life, just, just running, 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 flying, 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 going, going, going. We never slow down. And we're so distracted. We're so mesmerized with all the noise and all the confusion. We're filled with drives and emotions, feelings and fears. We're trying to impress people. We're trying to protect our image. We're trying to achieve things. And we never pause to reflect on who we are really are. So get quiet and pay attention to your emotions. Hopefully you have a quiet time every day where you pause and you read some scripture and you reflect and you pray. If you don't have that time, you need to start that. And as you pray and as you read scripture, take a few moments to pay attention to your own emotional state. Remember, a long time ago, I taught you how to pray in, up, and out. 
you, 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 you pray, you pray up where you're, you're focusing on God, you're looking at scripture, you're praying to God, but then you also pray in, you look in, you, you, you look, what's going on inside of me, God, or my thoughts or my feelings, am I, am I in line, am I attuned with you? And you pay attention to what's going on in here. And then you pray out where you're praying for other people and all the needs that's going on. You need to do this. And so, in fact, here's, here's a part of this that I've just started to do recently is relive your day. Just kind of rewind the tape and go through the day and just kind of highlights, main things, and, and relive your day and say, God, did I live my day in honor of you? Did I live my day walking in the Spirit? And God, why... When this person said this, why, why did I feel this way? Why did I get angry when they said that? Why did I get defensive when they said this? God, why, why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling anxious? And you kind of just go through your day and, and offer it up to God and examine your day in light of Scripture, in light of the Holy Spirit, and you just you, you get quiet and you look inward. If you want to experience God, you've got to slow down. In everything that I read, in Scripture and in all of the, all of the books that I read on spirituality and in emotional health, the one thing they all agree on, you've got to slow down. You've got to make time to look inward. And number two, pray for, uh, pray for courage to look beneath the surface. Pray for courage to look beneath the surface. I tell you, it takes courage to admit, you know what? I'm beginning to realize I am a bitter person. I am holding on to grudges. By the way, we're going to talk about forgiveness next Sunday. I am holding on to grudges, and I am bitter, and I am skeptical, and I, I am critical. It takes courage to face that about yourself. It takes courage to say, wow, I've been so unaware of how insecure I am and how defensive I am. You say, well, Greg, I, I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just not the feeling type. I grew up in a family. We were all about action, and we just kind of tell it how it is. We're not into this, you know, feely, touchy kind of thing. Well, I'm sorry, but can I tell you that's not a strength? It takes strength. It takes courage to look within and admit what's really going on and say, wow, I've been blind to what's really been going on in here. So pray for courage to look beneath the surface. Number three, fight self-deception by having some trusted friends. Fight self-deception by having some trusted friends. I'm amazed how easily we deceive ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Any one of us, we can sit there all by ourselves, and we can so easily convince ourselves, oh, I'm loving and joyful and patient and kind and gentle. Just ask your spouse. Just ask your kids. Just ask a few close people who know you. You might get a different take on that. And so I, I, I was part of a conversation once where one of the people was obviously angry. And I said, wow, you are really angry. He said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. And it was obvious to everybody in the room except him. See, we so easily deceive ourselves. You need to have some trusted friends. This is part of what our life groups are for. You need to be in a, in, in a life group. 
where, where you have some trusted friends, where you can share what's going on, and, and where, you, where you give each other permission in humility and love and grace and support to say, wow, what's going on inside of you? You know, this, this is what I see. How, how can I help you? How can I pray? And, and you, you, you have somebody who loves you enough, they're willing to confront you. Number four, read Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He tells this wonderful story of how he was an emotional wreck. Even though he was pastor of this successful big church, he was an emotional wreck and, and his journey of finding health. And he has so many wonderful principles of, of how to get there. Learn how to get honest about what's going on in here. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this passage in Galatians 5. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to look beneath the surface. Give us the courage to face our feelings. Lord, we want to be healthier and happier and more holy like you in your image. Lord, help us to determine to be Christian hedonists. Father, forgive us for so many times settling for less. Where we, we just settle for being happy and doing these lesser things and oftentimes these sinful things. We're like children playing with mud pies when the beach is just down the road. Lord, help us to resolve today. We want to be emotionally healthy. We want joy. Lord, give us the courage to lean in and to lean on each other and to trust you to take us on this wonderful journey. And all God's people say, amen.